as you saw in our mission statement, it's really not about right and left. It's not about conservative or Republicans and Democrats. We have people from all walks of life joining us, including many teachers, educators, principals, and psychologists, etc., mental health professionals. Uh, they understand the, the danger. This is really about what you just said now, separating what is the role of the family from what is the role of the school? What is the job of the school versus what is the job of the family? Now, you may not recognize that voice, but this is the Derate the Hate podcast, and that is our guest this week, Dr. Ilana Fishbein from No Left Turn in Education. Now, whether you have children in school or not, this is definitely an episode you're not going to want to miss because there's a lot going on in our education system today that just might surprise you. So with that, let's cue the music. Welcome back, my friends, to the Derate the Hate podcast. I am Wilk from WilksWorld.com, and we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. Bettering the world, one attitude at a time, that is our mission, and that is what we're going to do. What have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? Now, Dr. Ilana Yarn fishbein is somebody who's doing everything that she can to make the world a better place. Now, Dr. Fishbein is a doctor of social work, earning her degree at the University of Pennsylvania. She also holds master's from Rutgers and a bachelor's from Hebrew University in Jerusalem in social work. She specialized in child welfare, and her early training was in clinical social work, and she has advanced her career while focusing on planning, policy, management, and research. Dr. Fishbein grew up in Israel and served in the Israeli Defense Force. She is a married, full-time mother of three boys, ages 19, 10, and 8 years old, and they all live in a suburb of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. She is also the founder and president of the grassroots movement No Left Turn in Education, and that's why Dr. Fishbein is joining us tonight. So with that introduction, we'll jump right into the interview. Dr. Fishbein, uh, good afternoon. I greatly appreciate you joining me. Thank you very um, much for inviting me. So... No left turn in education. It's our education system. Obviously, is is very important to everybody with children, and it should be important to everybody, whether they have children or not. Everybody in this country, and nowhere, nowhere more than more than our schools, is there a more captive audience of impressionable and, and malleable minds than than in our schools. So, please tell our listeners why you started the No Left Turn in Education movement and how that all got started. I believe it started with a letter, right? Absolutely. But uh, I would uh, want to just uh, reinforce what you said. The education of our children is indeed uh, the most important because this is the future of our country. Uh, those are the people who are going to lead our country, who are going to continue to build it and make it uh, the best country in the world to make, continue to be the best country. That's why people from all over the world knocking on our doors and trying to get here in every possible way, legal or illegal. I started the movement uh, at the end of August, but what led me to start the movement was what has been happening in uh, the public school, which my kid had been attending. I have three boys. 
And over the years, uh, really the politicization of the curriculum becoming more and more evident. And in the, at the end of the last school year, after the murder of George Floyd, uh, where whole, the whole country was shaken by this uh, horrible incident, uh, it looked like the school had an agenda prepared and they uh, embarked on it right away. In our specific school, it called cultural proficiency. And they introduced this curriculum and lesson plan, uh, which was, in our opinion, entirely the opposite of what Martin Luther King uh, teaching was. And he turned his teaching upside down. And it was, in fact, uh, racist, looking at what the content of those lessons were, what the material that was distributed uh, to the classes and to the children. It was very apparent to my husband and myself that this is not something that uh, we want our kids to be part of and we opted them out, but also that this is very dangerous to society and to the survival of our nation. And when I tried to contest it and question it by sending a letter to the superintendent, the school board, as well as to the principal, in fact, was absolutely ignored. And this is an experience of many, many parents across the country who are trying to question uh, or to understand better what's going on. Uh, they are most of the time are ignored or pushed back. Considering this kind of reaction, that's when I started to turn to other parents in the school and see how they feel about it and start a discussion. And when I did indeed reach out to other parents through social media, the Facebook page of the parents uh, at the school, uh, I was attacked viciously by the same kind of labels that they like to attack people that don't have the same worldview that they have, races and bigots. And I was uh, really pretty much uh, surprised because all I asked is to have a discussion. Uh, and they demanded that my post will be taken down right away because there's no place for racism. And I was labeled, obviously, and my post was racist. Although all I asked was, here is what I wrote to the superintendent. This is the subject that we are dealing with. Uh, what do you think? What's your opinion? So you were just you were just looking for clarification on on what they were actually going to be teaching, and and through asking, I mean, just simply by questioning and, and looking for clarification on the curriculum that you didn't get any response from from the school, you were then outright attacked by the other parents, or or not all. I'm assuming it wasn't all the other parents. Was it was it a majority of the other parents or was I, it? I don't know because uh, the post was uh, taken down right away. So there were about uh, 15 all white parents, uh, mostly female, 15, 14 female, one male uh, father, and uh, it was taken down. However, enough people apparently saw it and reached out to me privately. They were not daring to do it publicly and uh, supporting me more than 100%, encouraging me and telling me that uh, they are afraid to speak up. So that was really the most concerning thing to me, uh, that they were so terrified of the canceled culture, of the mm -hmm. destruction culture, that they will support me privately, but uh, will not speak uh, publicly because of fear. Uh, yep. And that's really, for me, was the sign that uh, we cannot be quiet about this. We have to get together. We have to have our voice heard 
And I decided that was at the end of August to launch the movement. So we can be a voice to all those people and empower them and encourage them to get up because there was no doubt in my mind at that point, we are the silent majority. And mm. it didn't really register with me that the silent majority is so terrified that they are keeping quiet and letting this uh, taking over our kids, our families and our nation. They were attacking our children directly. Mm -hmm. And I did not understand how parents are not getting up to protect their children. Right. Well, and, and you know, like we said uh, in, in the beginning, it's a captive audience. The, those children, you know, when I was going to school, when you were going to school, we were always taught, you know, you, you don't question authority, especially as a child. So they have a captive audience. They, those children don't have a choice but to sit and listen to those teachers. And I know, I know that unfortunately there are a lot of a lot of people out there who do not get involved in their children's education, which is tragic in and of itself. The fact that there is a lot of people I've talked about it in previous podcasts. There are a lot of people out there who, whether they be afraid of the cancel culture and and what's going on, or or they just they just frankly want to be left alone. But there will come a time when a lot of people do have to take a stand. And, and, and like you, like you say on the website, it, it's time that, that people do become more vocal and they let their voices be heard. Uh, and, and that is so important, uh, especially when it comes to the education of our children. Now, I, I know many think of indoctrination as, as just maybe expressing or pushing a certain opinion, uh, you know, once in a while or, or whatever. Now, me personally, I think value should be taught in the home by the parents and education should be reading, writing, arithmetic, basic unbiased history. That's the kind of things that the children should be learning. But it, it's, you know, indoctrination is really more of a long-term repetitive, you know, pushing of certain narrative and, and until the subject becomes an unquestionable truth. And, and I think you're exactly right when you say, uh, in a lot of ways, it's become an indoctrination instead of an education because that captive audience does have to sit there, you know, as an unquestionable audience or, or unquestioning audience and, and listen. So how do you see that indoctrination manifesting itself in our education system today? Um, I'll say not only that there are captive audience, they're using our own taxpayers' money to do it. And that's, uh, that's why a lot of our support is not only parents, uh, grandparents and concerned citizens and teachers. And this is why also we are getting a lot of uh, contact by grandparents and concerned citizens that understand that that's not really what they want to do with their taxpayers' money. This taxpayers' money with this indoctrination, in fact, is indoctrinating them against their parents. And it is happening in class when they tell, tell children in many places, do not share that with your parents. Your parents will not understand. And, you know, at that stage, particularly when they are becoming young teenagers, uh, to turn them against the parents is not something hard. They're already the kids think that their parents don't understand their world. They're ancient. Oh, but, uh, and the teachers are really manipulating the kids against the parents. Uh, and in that philosophy also of the CRT, for example, uh, there is no place for, uh, you know, intact family or traditional family. So this is really another 
aspect of turning the kids against families mm-hmm. and against uh, you know their own parents because they ask them not to share information with their parents. Uh, and this is the kind of generation we're gonna uh, you know gonna lead our country in the future. So uh, as you saw in our mission statement, it's really not about right and left. It's not about conservative or Republicans and Democrats. We have people from all walks of life joining us, including many teachers, educators, principals, and psychologists, etc., mental health professionals. Uh, they understand the, the danger. This is really about what you just said now, separating what is the role of the family from what is the role of the school. What is the job of the school versus what is the job of the family? In fact, this is one of the main issues that I used to confront the school with when I question what they are teaching my children. Uh, I would always discuss it with the principal, the counselors, the teachers. What is the area that the school is responsible versus what is the area the parents are responsible for? And what I would like you to take you back to is when the Department of Education was established in 1979, it specifically says that the primary responsibility for educating the children is of the parents. And the state, localities, and private organization have the primary responsibility of supporting the parents. And unfortunately today, what's happening, not only that the roles are reversed, our kids are captive audience, they're using our taxpayers' money to indoctrinate them, and the parents really have no roles in the school. The roles that they have in the PTA is a joke. And why am I saying that? Because they have them collect money through selling uh, Christmas wrapping papers or Christmas cards so they can raise money to do some social activities uh, for, the ki- for, the, for the kids. That's how they keep actually the PTAs and all the parents that are involved quiet and out of the curriculum so they can do whatever they want. So in fact, the parents are not involved at all in the education of the children and in the curriculum and in what's happening in the schools. In, in that way, uh, you know, if we want to go back to where we're supposed to be, the way it was initially meant to be, where parents have the primary responsibility of the education of the children and the state and localities should be just supporting. Further, today, the parents in all over the country, all over the country are fighting schools and school board to get access to the kind of information, the kind of uh, lesson plans, the curriculum that they are teaching our kids and the school boards superintendent and schools are fighting parents in order to conceal, in order not to share what they're actually, what material they are using. What are those organizations, who are those organizations and individuals that they're hiring to train the teachers and disseminate this poison to the hearts and the minds of our children? This is very dangerous. Absolutely. I, now, now, me personally, I, I'm one that I would just in the federal government be out of education completely. And like you were talking about, uh, you know, the Department of Education was really set up to for the, the states and the local municipalities to be the, the primary backup for the for the parents in, in the in that relationship for the education. That's the way that I believe it should be. Stepping back a little bit, talking about CRT critical race theory uh, that, that you had brought up. And, and as I understand it, uh, the, the concept of critical race theory 
and and systemic racism that they talk about anytime and i've talked about it previously in the podcast anytime somebody has that victim mentality i call it a perpetual victim mentality you're setting themselves or setting them that person up to fail anyway automatically it's it's you're putting them one step behind because you're already instilling in their brain that they are the system is out to get them they are they 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 can't get ahead because because somebody else is keeping them down now in, in the in the instance of critical race theory obviously that is teaching kids whatever across the racial spectrum teaching kids every problem is the problem uh caused through due to white supremacy and and every every kid of whether you know black descent or or, or african descent is the victim of a system that is racist and you cannot get ahead because you're just going to be held down by white people. And I think you and I both know that that's, that's, that's a horrible, I, I believe it's child abuse to be telling, uh, telling children that I, I believe it's child abuse or, or abuse period to be telling anybody of any age that, but then to, to be telling children that have had, you know, because of their skin color, because they're white, that they are oppressive. And because you're black, you'll never get ahead. That to me is, is, is abuse. And, and now to know that that's being brought mainstream in our education system is absolutely horrible. Um, now, personally, in my 45 years of life, I have never met anybody that's pushed the narrative that black lives don't matter. That, that to me is, is nonsensical. And I do know on your site, you, you say MLK and not BLM. I, I love that banner and the way that you guys have that on your site. You know, the teachings of MLK were absolutely beautiful. Expand upon that a little bit, the, the, the idea of MLK and not BLM and, and why you chose to go that direction. As I mentioned earlier, it became very obvious when we looked at the material and the curriculum that was, uh, putting for, was put forth for our kids. And then now when I've seen material from all over the country, because I've been getting tens of thousands of uh, messages and people are sharing with us what is being taught in their kids' schools. And teachers also sharing with us what they've been trained to teach kids. Uh, it's very obvious that uh, they took, B they took uh, MLK out of the classroom. They took his teaching out of the classroom. Uh, BLM and uh, all their cronies that are pushing the CRT and the indoctrinating material, they claim that they are the continuation of the civil rights movement, that they are continuation of the MLK philosophy. It couldn't be further from the truth. It's literally upside down. It's literally contradicting. He talked about character and inclusivity. They're talking about segregation. They're talking about uh, uh, not about character, they're talking about color of skin. In fact, in their training of the teacher and the teacher bring that training to the class and they do it in the class. In the training of teacher, they're separating white teachers from teachers of color and provide separate training. In the classroom, they tell kids to assume identity or define their identity based on the color of the skin, based on their religion, based on their sexuality or gender identity, based on the income of their family, based on ethnicity. There's a whole list of characteristics 
and attributes that they ask, none of them has to do with their personality. None of them has to do with something that is really their hearts or their mind. That's the way make the values, the character of the person. Everything has to do with all those kind of attributes that really has nothing to do really with who you are as a person. You're actually individual single uh, fingerprint. Every human being has his own fingerprint, not according to CRT, because you are not defined by your own personality. You're defined by all those lists of characteristics that I mentioned. And they let the kids, in fact, uh, claim this kind of uh, personality based on those characteristics and make them physically separate themselves from each other. And then, you know what? Yeah, they have to label each other as oppressor or oppressed and attack each other. It's awful the stories that we are hearing from parents that they learn from their kids about the kind of exercise them, the like exercises they let them engage in class. And there's a lot obviously of objection to that. In fact, in the training of the teachers, what we are learning, the trainers warn the teachers that they can see kids, that kids might experience helplessness sadness, trauma. I don't get it. Why are they engaged in this kind of teaching when they know that this kind of teaching can cause this kind of heart to teach uh, to children? And as you said, it's definitely child abuse. My profession, I have a bachelor, master and doctorate in child welfare, in social work, in specializing in child welfare. There's no doubt in my mind, this is really child abuse. And in fact, they have, the kids have to stand up in front of the class, in front of the teacher and reveal the personal uh, identity, the, the sexuality, their uh, political views, their income of their family. What's going on here? No, and, and, and being, you know, that you're a doctor in child psychology, and what does that do to the psyche of a child to make them stand up and admit to being a, a racist just because they're white or, or being oppressed just because they're black or, you know, telling the rest of their peers, their, their fellow children, I have done wrong, though I don't understand what I've done wrong. I'm only wrong because of my skin color. Exactly. What does that do to, to the psyche of that child? What does that do to that mind? I would say two things. What does it do? to each of those children, I mean, not to each, to all the children, because we are human beings, all the different colors of skin, all pigmentations of skin. Uh, what does it do to, and what does it do to the relationship, the human relationship between kids and between people? So we have to think about what it is to a person as an individual on whatever color of skin they are, and then what it does to relationship between human beings. And the danger is in both. A kid exactly like you said, a kid that said, what have I done wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. I'll tell you what, think about it three, four, five years old, that they're already tagging them and labeling them as racist because of the color of the skin. I would say even more than that. If you look at the books that are coming out from all those people that became now multimillionaires, because this is a cash cow, all just Google and find out all those books. They are board books. They're starting with infancy, infancy, the child abuses of parents who are reading those books. So you have board books already starting to indoctrinate kids from infancy. And when they come to the system in you know, in kindergarten, they're already doing it also with the teachers and the support of the entire 
operation of the indoctrination of the uh, public schools and private schools as well. Uh, so when you think about it, that those kids from very young age, as they are toddlers, starting to feel that because of the color of the skin, they're guilty for what they don't know. So what, how would you learn right from wrong? How would you know what's right from wrong when you did nothing wrong? How would you explain the child? Because that's one of the parents' role to teach the kids from right and wrong, to teach them those values. But there are no right and wrongs because the right and wrongs come just because you're uh, with a certain pigmentation of skin, not because of your action. It's just because of something that you have no control over. So how can you fix something when you don't have control over it? Because you were born like that. This is insanity. So uh, as I'm saying, you know, in terms of uh, the kids of color, I think it's outrageous also because they make them victim from the moment they are born. So what does it say to the kid? You won't be able to achieve. And you know what they are doing consequently? They are dumbing the system. They are dumbing the system. They are lowering the requirement to be, for example, logic uh, or um, uh, rationale or punctual or to speak proper English is white supremacist. So let's get rid of the white supremacists. We don't need to be rational. We don't need to be based on fact. We don't need to be eloquent in English or you know, with a, a speaking proper English. So because all those are white supremacy and white supremacists are very bad. So you know what we have now? Now we have ethnomathematics. I heard that, Reese. I, I heard it this week. They said something about, uh, or, or I heard that, that math is now racist because just because there is there's generally only one right answer in mathematics uh, now that that's that's racist because and because you, know, you have to show your work because you have to show how you got to that answer and lo and behold uh, Bill and Melinda Gates are uh, leading this kind of uh, idiocy yeah so, it's, it's lunacy uh, it's insane like they are, they think also they are experts in medicine and they are leading just because they have money. And they can invest it in whatever they want. Uh, they become quote-unquote leaders. But there are no leaders in this field. They have no, no expertise. Might as well just focus on raising their own children. Uh, and my message to all to people also, if you think uh, that you're racist, whatever your color is, and by the way, you only can be racist if you're white. If you think you're racist, if you think your kids are racist, go ahead, seek therapy. Well, go ahead, fix your problem. My kids are not racist. I'm not teaching them to be racist. Pose on me values that are not mine. Don't judge me by my skin color rather than by my action. Judge people by their character and their action. And don't tell a two-year-old, a three-year-old, or even 10-year-old, or 16-year-old that you are a criminal or you're an oppressor when you did nothing wrong. And there's nothing in your action. And don't tell them that it's an implicit bias that you have suffered from white fragility if you don't admit that you're a racist. Yeah, I, this whole concept is is something that I, I've... I, I grew up in the Midwest in the United States. You know, to be frank with you, I there was not a lot of people of color in and around my childhood. I, I know that. And, and it wasn't until I joined the, the Navy uh, that I started spending more time with people of color. And then it wasn't until then that I started to be told that because I was white and, 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 and quite honestly, it wasn't even that prevalent then 20, you know, 25 years ago or 23 years ago when I was in the service 
that uh, because I was white, I was automatically racist. It really became in, well, in my recollection, it, it became a lot more prevalent over the, say the past 12 years to push that, that divide between people and say, automatically, we're going to put you in a box because if you're white, you're the oppressor. If you're black, you're the oppressed. If, if you're somewhere in between, you're probably oppressed, but it's most certainly the white person's fault. I, I didn't really start to see that and, and hear that growing up, certainly growing up, uh, and, and even in my early, early adult life, as I have in the past 12, you know, 13 years. And, and, and it's, it's really a disappointment. And, you know, there's some people that call that progressive. I obviously call it regressive. Uh, there's no, no rational mind could call that progressive, in my opinion, that, that, that would be regressive because the concept of segregation, the concept of putting people in boxes and the concept of, of, of saying that because of your color of skin, you're oppressed and you're the oppressor. That to me, there, there's no place for that in this society. You know, th this podcast is all about bringing people together, bettering the world one attitude at a time. Just like you were talking about, we all as individuals have our own thumbprint. We, we have our own person within us. And each one of us has to do better at getting along better with other people. But there are forces out there and, and we're seeing it in our education system now more than ever. There are forces that are trying to say, no, you're not an individual because of the color of your skin, you're an oppressor. No, you're not an individual because of the color of your skin, you're oppressed. You're automatically a victim. You're automatically the victimizer. And we're going to keep you apart. And if you don't submit or succumb to our way of thinking, we will destroy you. Just like you talked about the parents who want to keep quiet because they don't want their livelihoods destroyed. Uh, the teachers that have to either put forth this poison or be fired or shunned or, or find a different profession. It's a terrible thing. You know, I tell that to people all the time when they tell me about their fear of being labeled. Why are you letting people label you? So they live, they say whatever they want. Why do you go along with it? Why you crumble when somebody calls you racist? Go to the mirror, look at yourself. Are you racist? If you are not, so brush it off. That's this awesome. is really one thing that I, so they called me all those names. It made me even more determined to say, you know, they're not going to define me. I know what I am. God knows what I am too. And the people who knows me, my friends, those people don't know you. They never met you. They never had a conversation with you. They know nothing about you. So why you let them define you and you expect, accept it, ignore it, move on. So this is really their biggest weapon. And it has been used so successfully. And that's why they continue to do that. But if you don't let them you know, succumb to that weapon, if you don't let them really be successful, it's going to be nothing. It's no, really not going to be effective. It's effective because that's why they keep using it. They'll use the same weapon because it's still effective. If it stops being effective, they'll find some, something else probably. But you make it effective for them by really uh, crumbling the moment they use it. I say over and over again, in 84% of the counties in the United States, at least, the values and the worldviews 
of the people who live there are not reflected in the schools, are not reflected in the school boards, which means we really have to make sure that we get up, empower ourselves and mobilize. And that's why I have this movement to help people to get together, empower, get empowered and mobilize to stand up and go there and make sure that your voice is there because those school, those school boards are not reflecting your values and your worldviews. And if you want that to happen, you have to stand up. There is no time. This is really the D-Day. This is really the time to get up because it's gonna get too late. And if you are not gonna fight for your children, who do you expect to do that? That is so this right. This is the time to do it. That is so right. Uh, you're absolutely right. The, the, the time is now uh, because we have really reached a tipping point and, and the, the schools do not reflect the, the majority of the, the people uh, that are sending their kids to school. I, I truly believe that. And, and I know you pulled your, your children out of the school that they were in. I know other people who have, have personally pulled their, their children out of schools uh, or the public school system. I, I can't imagine, you know, sending my daughter, uh, who's now just one years old, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, three, four years from now, putting her in a public school system, unless something drastically changes, there is no way, uh, you know, I, I think we've all known for a long time that post-secondary education was an indoctrination mill, the colleges and the universities for a lot of people. But now the fact that it's in the public education system. Not becoming- only. Not only. No, no. that's the Mr. People. Some, you know, I see comments on posts that we have on our uh, Facebook page, for example, that get your children out of there, put them in charter school, put them in, in, uh, in private school, put them in parochial school. I'm very sorry to break it, you know, to all of your listeners. It's so prevalent in all of them. You literally have to take a tweezer and find any school, either parochial or a charter or private school that is not infected with that terminal disease. It's mm-hmm. absolutely uh, all over the country, almost in every school. So I found, I took, you know, I found a school that is not engaged in that, but it's very hard to find a school like that. It's very hard. It is uh, uh, in literally uh, in every school almost. And it's sad, but I, yeah. I think you're moving. One thing I just wanted to say on your comment also, uh, indeed, uh, the schools know that they are not uh, really reflecting the values of the uh, parents and their community. That's why they're fighting not to be transparent. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the reason why they're fighting. And parents across the country have been uh, filing or in different states, it's called differently, but basically it's a, a right to know or request for information or FOIA, different, and they're paying money to file this request in order to get access to something that already their taxpayers' money paid for it, which is all this information right. about what are they teaching. Yeah, there should, there should not be anything hidden about the curriculum of anything in a public school, whether you have children in that school or not, I, I can't imagine, I can't understand how that can be copacetic. I, I don't understand how they can say, well, we are not going to share with you a taxpayer 
what the curriculum that we're teaching is. I, I don't, I don't get that fact that people are actually having to go to court and, and just to find out what their kids are being taught is, is, is brutal. So how, for our listeners, how can they get involved? I, I know I heard something about you starting local chapters around the country. I know your, your uh, noleftturn.us uh, website. What can people do to get involved with, uh, with this movement, Dr. Fishbein? Now we have chapters in 20 states and growing, just cannot open them fast enough. A lot of work, a lot of people literally from all over the country contacting us. Uh, the more people see what's happening uh, and it, uh, the more they are frightened and the more they are encouraged knowing there are other people that are getting up and standing up and want to fight it. It's always better to fight it together. You're more powerful. So please uh, join our movement. Go to noleftturn.us on our website and sign up as well as you can go to our Facebook pages. We have a Facebook page for each state in the union. So you can also join uh, on your local um, state Facebook page. Get in touch with us. We'll put you in touch with your chapter and stand up. Don't be afraid. Get involved. We are spreading very fast. So please don't hesitate. Don't wait. This is really the time before it's too late. We have to fight it now. An incredibly important movement. I, I, I very much want my listeners and, and everybody I can talk to to become involved. Very, very important movement. Dr. Fishbein, I cannot thank you enough for your time. One more yes. thing, yes, if you don't mind. Um, we uh, are, you know, we have been now less than six months old, uh, very focusing on building our infrastructure. At the same time, we see what's happening on the other side. They are flooded with billions of dollars from uh, big tech and from other donors that are strengthening the left. We really need your support. So on our website, there is also a donate button, $5, $10, whatever you can give, even the smallest amount, every dollar counts. Remember, we count on your support in order to continue our fight. We are going to get that cancer out of our body, out of our nation's body. Yes, we, we definitely need to get the, uh, the indoctrination and, and these poisonous materials out of our education system. Dr. Fishbein, I cannot thank you enough for, for the time today. Uh, very much appreciate it. And uh, when, uh, when this episode comes out later this week, if you could, uh, if you could just share it and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get a bunch more people on board and get that poison out of our education system. I, I can't agree with you more. Thank you very much. All right. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Ilana Fishbein from No Left Turn in Education. Uh, you can find out more about that movement at noleftturn.us. And I hope that opened up your eyes to a lot of things because there's that's definitely something that we all have to have on our radar. It's something that we need to be uh, need to be aware of and need to be doing something about. So, again, noleftturn.us to find out more about the No Left Turn in Education movement with Dr. Ilana Fishbein. With that, I'm going to wrap up this episode and say, uh, when you're out there, be kind to one another. Be grateful for everything that you've got. And remember, it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. So in closing, I just want to say, if you've got something to tell me, if you want to reach out to me, hit me up on most social media platforms, email me, wilk at wilksworld.com 
please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it with, uh, with, with your friends. Please share it with your network of people. And uh, again, drop us some feedback on whatever platform you get your audio. So I greatly appreciate all that. I, I do greatly appreciate everything uh, that, that all of our supporters are, are doing for us. So with that, I'm going to back on out of here. And uh, we'll catch you next week.